it's been months in the making and decades in the dreaming. You know, I think um, Fijian rugby fans uh, have wanted to see a local team on the professional stage and, you know, the, the absence of those opportunities has meant that, you know, many of our players have had to go overseas to chase, uh, chase career careers. And as a result, you know, we haven't seen them at home. Uh, we haven't been able to field a team in a professional competition. We haven't been able to attract other teams to come and play in our country. So this is, a, uh, is an amazing uh, opportunity to transform uh, that circumstance. And, you know, we, uh, we, we just can't wait to, we, you know, to have a team on the paddock representing Fiji. We won't get all of our players from Europe back initially, but over time we will. And most importantly, we'll, we'll close the back door and provide an opportunity for our best players to stay at home and play rugby, not get snaffled by others or, uh, or chase the money overseas. Thank you for the opportunity. From a Moana Pacifica point of view, it's a significant opportunity um, for, firstly, for Samoans Tonga, but plus also um, those other Pacific nations within the, the region um, that don't have, um, you know, um, rugby unions, for example, like the Cook Islands and, and co. Um, there's, I mean, it's 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 been well recorded the um, the grievance that the Pacific nations have had since the game went professional, going back going back 25, 26 years. We can all see the transformative effect that Super Rugby franchises, all the franchises, these competitions have had in terms of like the high performance uplift uh, for the national unions. So for Fiji for Samoans Tonga um, to have the opportunity to create these franchises um, while we're still in the early stages. But I think this is the beginning of an exciting opportunity for Pacific rugby. Um, the opportunity that both Drua and Moana Pacifica have is to cement the missing piece that the respective home nations have had to kind of really build and get Pacific Rugby back to where it truly belongs. Um, with it comes a lot of responsibility, but in the short term, you know, we'll take the excitement, won't we, Brian? <laughs> because, uh, you, know, um, you know, as Brian, you know, he and I have spoken a few times, the journey is tough, you know, but, you know, the, the opportunity and, um, you know, and what lies ahead is just exciting for us all. So how ready are you for uh, the kickoff of the co competition? Well, we've got a lot to do. There's no question about that. We are, um, uh, you know, going to be marching into a quarantine camp in Australia in the middle of October. Um, I guess unlike Moana Pacifica, uh, who's playing in New Zealand and on home turf, so to speak, and uh, I'm sure they're bringing in some players from overseas, but they're also sourcing a lot locally. Um, we're, we're sourcing our players primarily from Fiji, and we're going to have to bring them into Australia, put them through a couple of weeks of quarantine, and then we'll have a three-month solid hit out with them to prepare, you know, physically, mentally, tactically um, to, uh, to hit the park in February. Um, but uh, as I say, there's just an enormous amount of work to get that done. In our case, we've got, you know, visa issues, we've got foreign tax issues, we've got accommodation issues, and as a result, you know, additional financial burdens. Um, but, um, you know, it's exciting and, and, and that's just what we have to go through in this COVID challenge world. 
to get ourselves to a safe place that we can compete with uh, with the other franchises. Um, we, uh, we uh, aside from signing up our players, of whom we need to get you know, roughly 37. Um, We've got a coaching structure uh, and coaches to a point. We've got a commercial framework of sponsors and licensees. We've got, uh, in our case, venues to secure where we're going to play. Uh, we've got broadcast arrangements. So there's, there's a, a long laundry list of jobs. Um, but, you know, as, as, uh, um, as Pelinato just said, it's, it's a challenge, but the rewards are very rich. Well, Moana Pacifica... You know, the exciting thing for us is um, it's been a tough road over the last few months, but uh, uh, this week we will be executing 30 contracts for players. So one way or another, while we may look like, uh, you know, the poor cousins compared to the other super rugby franchises here in New Zealand, uh, we will have its team uh, on the field come the beginning of the competition. So being in a position to be able to finally be able to contract the 30 players that we've got, you know, the memorandum of understanding, which is essentially a collective employment contract framework that will safeguard the benefits, um, you know, the, the interest that the players will have, being able to finally have that executed this week. We've informed the agents and we'll now be able to finally sign the contracts and put those contracts into effect. That gives us um, 30 players. Um, we've got a little bit of time to complete our squad, which is a squad of 38 and uh, 15 standby players. Um, you know, we do feel for uh, Draw, you know, Draw having to relocate from their home base of uh, Fiji to Australia. You know, I was, I was just commenting to the NZR, you know, just how tough that must be, you know. So we have been um, in this COVID-affected world. We've had the luxury of being able to just, the, you know, the home base that we're working towards, which hopefully we'll be able to make an announcement on soon, that hasn't been disrupted, you know. So, you know, being able to, you know, know that we've got a base, that we've got a venue, um, that we're going to be playing our matches at, you know, those types of, you know, um, those types of things gives us great confidence. But by far the biggest thing um, that we really needed was a squad and to finally have 30 players that we can, put our signatures on the dotted line, so to speak, this week, there's going to be a big milestone for Moana Pacific. Um, when would you expect to have those squads finalised um, and ready to join each other on the training pitch? Well, from our side, we're going to have the squad finalised when we march into quarantine in the middle of October. Um, we'll, we'll make our first uh, announcements about players later this week, touch wood, um, and we'll progressively roll them out um, before uh, before we get on the on the plane, um, you know, I think Moana and, and ourselves are each chasing uh, that 37, 38 um, number. Uh, we may take a few more to Australia because you know during this quarantine arrangement, you know, you can't afford to wait for two weeks before you get a replacement hooker, for example. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's certainly in the next month and. Um, um, we, you know, we, we felt the need because uh, we're new entrants to the tournament, because we haven't kind of come together as a team in the past, that we really needed to give ourselves a good three months uh, on the training paddock. So 1st of November, the whole of uh, November, December and January, we'll be training, getting ready. We've organised a couple of trials for late January and, uh, and early February, and then we'll be ready to, 
to roll when the uh, when the competition kicks off in, in mid-February. For one of the past figures, I see we've got 30 players that will be uh, signing on the dotted line with this week. So it's 30. So that leaves eight further slots um, to be to be filled. Um, we'll take our time on filling those eight additional slots. I'd like to think that we've broken the back of the squad. You know, 30 out of 38 is quite a significant chunk. Um, in terms of our standby players, we've got those standby players largely um, identified and will fall into line with the rest of the competition in terms of announcements made around squads. Uh, squads will be done as part of the marketing campaigns in terms of like trying to build the momentum towards the competition. In terms of the assembly of the squads, we were originally working towards uh, being able to assemble our squads uh, 1 November to give us a decent pre-season. Um, but as you can imagine here in NZ, the impact of COVID, there are announcements now that have been made that the provincial championship will run through to the end of November. So what that therefore means is um, in terms of from a player welfare point of view, you know, players at the end of their domestic competition will need to have a break. So the earliest will be able to actually assemble squads, given their commitments to the domestic competition, will be early to mid-December. So essentially from a Moana Pacifica, from an assembling point of view, you lose between four to six weeks. Um, but that's just something, you know, that's COVID, right? You know, that's just the way it is. You just got to adjust. Means that your pre-season, the commencement of the actual champ of the Super Rugby um, uh, Pacific, you know, the commencement date doesn't change, but your window for pre-season shrinks considerably. Has it been challenging to build a team from scratch? For Moana Pacifica, the you know the biggest the biggest challenge we've had is being in a position to have certainty. We have never had any issues about Pacifica players have been passionate about having this opportunity. You know, um, you know, get inquiries from you know Europe, you know, throughout the Pacific, Australia, and here domestically. So there's been strong interest. But the big challenge for all our players is because they've got to support, you know, it's a livelihood, is certainty. You know, for both Brian and I, you know, for Drew and Moana Pacifica, we never got certainty on the license until July. There's no way any of the interests that our Pacifica players have, you know, they can't seriously start contemplating things until at a minimum you've got certainty of a license. We're only in the middle of September, so we've only been kind of working realistically with a degree of certainty for two and a half months. So what we've had to do is somehow um, translate the interest of players and translate it into something tangible within the space of two and a half months and something whereby we can contractually enter into um, you know, confirmed contracts. It's been tough. And we've experienced the same thing, albeit probably a little shorter time frame, because I think you know, we, we really only got the unconditionality removed in August. So, um, you know, it's a shame that, you know, from the point when our unconditional licences, both of us were announced in mid-April, um, three or four months have elapsed without yeah. being able to get a confirmed uh, competition structure. And as a result, you know, many of that, the guys that were on our original list, um, who were playing in Europe had to choose between a firm commitment and opportunity in Europe versus a doubtful commitment or an unconfirmed commitment coming out of coming out of us. And 
you know, we you, you have to be honest and upfront with people as you go through, and you can't, you know, pretend that it's something that it's not. So until we had an unconditional license, we we just couldn't sign with anybody. And as a result of that, we have lost the opportunity to sign up a lot of guys from Europe. Um, but having said that, um, every cloud has a silver lining, and you know, we've got a, a great um, pipeline of talent in Fiji. It's one of the wonderful things. And, you know, we, uh, we're, we're very happy with the guys that we're signing, um, be they from, you know, from the local provincial rugby or from, you know, the seven sphere. And in some cases, we may well have to um, uh, contract the odd, what we call a joker. Um, for some, I'm not quite sure why they're called jokers, but somebody who's not otherwise you know, eligible for, to play for Fiji, but who might have to fill a, an area of weakness for us. So uh, we don't, you know, our aspiration is for every player who plays for the Drua to be eligible for national duty, but in some cases we'll have to compromise that in the first year or two. Brian, uh, Fiji are talking about making the playoffs, which in a a 12-team competition, I think it's a top eight, isn't it? So uh, that would be, uh, you know, a lot more achievable than the old-school Super Rugby when it was just the semi-finals. Um, but uh, to, to both of you, um, you know, are you fancying a big win in Christchurch in year one? Or, uh, you know, Moana Pacifica versus the Blues will be a, a battle to remember, I'm sure, uh, the battle of uh, the Auckland region uh, up there. Um, what do you think mm. you guys can do on the field? That's a really important question. Um, when I listened to our coaches and the high performance staff, the thing which I've learned from them is that you've got to look at this as a developmental pathway. The thing about professional rugby, when you're starting off on a program, you've got to look at a five-year window. And when you break up that five-year window, um, year one has got to be about the development and the establishment of your game. You know, The development of the game and being able to put those things in place and ensuring that the squad that you've got, that you've got enough of a skeleton where you've got enough leadership but populated with enough talent that can be developed to be, to come through um, in year two, year three, year four. So when you look at uh, specifically from a competitiveness point of view, which is the thing that everyone kind of talks about, the measures that we look for from a Moana Pacifica is not so much about the win rate, which is what everyone really focuses on, but it's the performance. It's your performance against the game plan that you've got, your systems and processes and your structures. Are you holding those things? Those are the things that are going to be like really, really important. Um, the second thing is in terms of when we look at it from a competitive point of view is we want to do justice to the fan base. You know? um, as we said to NZR, um, if you want Moana Pacifica to be competitive with the Crusaders, then you've got to have something that is so disproportionately, um, from a revenue-based uh, point of view, out of whack with the realities for us to be able to buy out some of our players that are playing up in Europe. You know, <laughs> And that was just never going to happen. That was just never going to happen. So when you look at this stuff, you're looking at a process over a number of years to get to the point where you know you can go toe-to-toe -to -toe, um, with the likes of the Crusaders. So what I'm saying is, in terms of when you look at year one, you want to do justice to what it is you're trying to do with your game. 
you want to do justice to the excitement of your fans so that you're doing justice to them. And then the third thing is that you are being competitive with other teams. In terms of wins and all the rest of it, you know, we will see how that goes when we get into the season. Well, from our perspective, and I, I agree with everything Kalinata just said. And I, you know, I think what we'd like to do is set ourselves a target of uh, under-promising and over-delivering. Um, but it will be, a, you know, the inaugural season will be one of developing combinations, you know, getting the game plan, the style of game. Um, you know, Fiji will, will always bring a unique style, probably not dissimilar to Moana Pacifica, but, um, you know, we, we, we're, we're ambitious and we're determined. You know, we're approaching this very seriously. Um, but as Pilonato says, we've got limited budgets. I'd love to say that we had you know, a million dollars to bring Sammy Randrandra back to play, but, <laughs> but, but my budget doesn't go that far. <laughs> and then if you add on, you know, Tuamama and Petitu and, you know, a long list of others, Pithela Yata, Leone Nakawara, et cetera, et cetera, we'd probably have to have triple the salary budget. Um, so that's not going to happen. But... Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I did a, uh, an exercise, you know, not too long ago for, uh, for, for one of our stakeholders. And I, I painted the picture of a Fijian team that drew upon, you know, the best in the world playing whichever country it was. And I had, you know, players like um, Seva Reese in there and, you know, Samu Karevi, uh, Ben, you know, Volavola was there and even Nathan Hughes from England the Patheliatos and the Nakawaras and so on. And you put it down on paper and it's an amazing team. And I'd like to think that in 10 years' time, we would have the equivalent of that playing for the Drua because we've been able to keep our very best talent at home and give them those opportunities. And I think um, that as a national union, you know, Fiji, if it's been able to do all of those things, if it's been able to get the Drua working, you know, very cohesively and successfully, you will see the fine Fijians in the top six in the world rather than 11th where they currently are. Um, and I don't want to comment on Samoa and Tonga, but I think that the same benefits will flow through to their national teams. Um, and, you know, you only need to look at um, Fiji's success on the seven stage. Just to, you know, you contrast when you've been able to keep your best sevens talent together and, uh, and so forth, um, they can compete with the best of the world. They're number one. And I don't, I don't want to put out those lofty objectives, but certainly I see that, you know, that's the 10-year that's the horizon. That's the objective we've got to have, and this is where I agree with Pelinato. You know, year one win rates is probably not the issue. Uh, we, we hope we can get the playoffs. I think that's a reasonable target to set ourselves, top eight. Um, certainly, we, you know, we go in expecting that we're going to have some wins, but we don't think that we're going to get to number one in the Super Rugby competition in the first year, let alone the first three. Obviously, with COVID, it's unlikely that either team will be uh, you know, able to play in Fiji, Samoa or Tonga. How scary has it been to be investing so much into a project in the middle of a global pandemic? Well, um, from, from a Moana Pacifica point of view, 
it's the global pandemic that created the opportunity. Mm. You know, wow. so the the thing is change, you know, disruption always results in something different. And so for Moana Pacifica, you know, it, you know, while no one wants this um, mm. this pandemic, but it is the catalyst for what Draw and Moana Pacifica have now. It's been the catalyst for us. Um, has it complicated our planning and foundational work? Absolutely. Absolutely, it sure has. Um, you know, is it going to make it tough in terms of the uncertainties? You know, Because we want to take our games home to our home nations. Is it going to make it really uncertain to do that? Yes. You know, it's, mm. it's really hard. You know, um, you know, our chances of being able to go to Samoa. We can't go to Tonga because Tonga, unfortunately, they don't have a stadium that meets the international criteria for professional mm. games, but Samoa does. But it's highly unlikely we'll be able to go to Samoa. So I think, I think for us, um, the best thing that Moana Pacifica can do is we need to stay strong and connected with our programs with both Samoa and Tonga. Uh, in terms of bringing their players into our systems and processes here in Auckland. Um, but most importantly, it's how we perform on the field in terms of that Pacifica way. I mean, you know, it's, um, that, that's why I totally agree with Brian. You know, it's going to be how we play the game. You know, one of the things that this competition, competition desperately needs, it's that additive nature. You know, if Moana Pacifica and Strua can bring in their own unique ways of playing and change it up in this competition, I think that's going to be huge. It's going to be, you know, the Pacifica flavor. It's going to add a lot of big dimensions. And so I think, um, you know, with the little bit of time that we've got to prepare, I think we'll be able to get those things in place and look forward to the commencement of the season in Feb. Yeah, I think um, that last point you made, Bernardo, is absolutely right, that the, the style of play, the flair, the fun, the unpredictability of Pacific rugby is really going to bring an edge to our games and, you know, hopefully, you know, just liven Super Rugby up a bit. Um, in, in our case, you know, Fiji uh, and Fijian teams have often been many people's second favourite team. And if they follow Team A, then they'll also follow Fiji. So we're hoping that we'll get a lot of you know, crowd support in Australia. But to come back to your original question, we, you know, how scary was it? Um, I'd say it's more challenging than scary. You know, we, one of the things that we always have to remember is that you know, tomorrow's world is not going to be the same as today. And you know, that you're always going to have to be a, a, you know, ready to, to adapt and change and you know, we can only plan for what's reasonably foreseeable. Uh, in, in our case, you know, playing in a completely different market, not having your home base, um, probably the biggest challenge has been the extra costs. And, you know, um, there's well in excess of, uh, of, of two, $2 million, probably closer to $3 million in extra costs that we're going to have to bear, um, putting our team and our squad up in eight, uh, for eight months. Um, both accommodation and meals and so forth. And, and that's a tangible cost. But the other, you know, difficult one we're going to have to work really closely on is the welfare of our players, being away from their families for eight months. And, you know, um, we're going to have to find, find ways. We've already got some plans about how we can do that. We, 
we'd love to think that at some point during the tournament, the rules will change so that we can bring, you know, wives over for a weekend or something. But that's, we'll have to wait and see. So the challenge is, is also for us to, uh, to attract crowds and to run events. We, we're, we're the Fiji Rugby Union. We run events in Fiji, but we don't run events in Australia. We don't have a ticketing person or a delivery person or a marketing person, nor do we want to hire them for 12, you know, because we're only going to be here until June in, uh, in 2022. So, uh, you know, we have delivery challenges and, and financial challenges, but um, we'll meet them. You know, we're, as I said before, we're determined and we're ambitious and we've got, you know, we've, we've got good people, um, you know, behind, behind us. So it's a, it's a great opportunity. And uh, maybe I'll get you to comment about each other because you're both in a very similar boat. This is a historic moment. You finally made it into Super Rugby. We've got all the anticipation in the world about the competition starting next year. Uh, great for Fiji, great for Tonga, great for Samoa, great for the wider region. But eventually, you guys are going to come here to head on the field. Moana Pacifica first, the Indrua. And uh, even though it's not all about that result, I know you want to finish uh, ahead on the scoreboard. So uh, what's it going to be like when the Indrua takes on Moana Pacifica on at least two occasions next season? Um, such a journey for all nations to get to this point. Uh, what do you reckon that's going to be like? Uh, look, I, I think, you know, while, while I haven't heard the rugby guys talk about it um so this is very much my personal personal perspective on the, on this rather than a moana pacifica formal position on it i think it's going to be exciting you know um i think it's going to be exciting and part of the reason why i think it's going to be exciting is there's something about pacific flair <laughs> you know there is just something about pacific flair and you know whether samoa it's tonga kind of like it or not Fiji has been the flag bearer of Pacific rugby at that international le uh, level. And, you know, for Moana Pacifica, having the opportunity to have a crack at Drua and to compete with Drua, you know, the kind of the flagship, flagship for Fiji rugby in this competition, it's just going to be so awesome, you know. And, and Pacific players, they love playing each other. You know, <laughs> they love that contest, you know, that ability to that contest on the field to see if they're going to beat each other. But then off the field, the camaraderie amongst the Pacific players, the camaraderie, the singing, the joyfulness of the families, it's, I just think it's going to be an amazing, amazing opportunity. But there will be no shortage of determinations to win that, to win that game. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, I mean, I, I agree. Um, with Pelinado, the, the rivalry between the two teams yeah. will be fantastic. And I think, you know, we've, we've, we've got huge uh, Polynesian communities in our, in our respective countries. I, I believe in South Auckland, there's a massive, in oh, Western yeah. Sydney, it's huge. And, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a rugby league test between Samoa and Tonga at Campbelltown. And there was something like 25,000 people there. You know, they're almost spilling over the fence. And I think you'll find that the Moana and Drua will set yeah. crowd records compared to other Super Rugby games. Yeah. Um, and it will become a real highlight of the calendar. Yeah. Now, um, I haven't had the chance to mention this to uh, Pelinato, so it's kind of strange doing it publicly on the radio, but I only had the thought this morning that what I want to do with you, Pelinato, is create a trophy of some sort for which Drua yeah. and Moana play every year. Our Bledisloe Cup. 
I'm not sure what the name is. Yeah. I don't know what the trophy is, but I'm going to get some yeah. people to research it. And whether it's named after an explorer or a unifying figure, something yeah. that blends Fiji with Samoa and Tonga, and we'll, we'll do this together. And every time we play each other, we'll be playing for whatever that ends up being. Are you up for that challenge, mate? Oh, oh Brian, I think that's a fantastic idea. Man, it sent shivers down my spine. Man, it's, uh, <laughs> I just... Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I totally agree. I mean, it's going to be just thinking about it, you know, the first game and just the crowds, you know, just bloody crazy islanders everywhere, you know, just kind of like, you know, trying to out sing and out chant each other. It'll be just, oh, but your idea, Brian, I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's great. I I think uh, over time, as we settle in with our apparel partners, you know, we, we might end up having, unique jerseys for that round for the whatever it's called the the, the battle of the pacific you know so there's a lot we can do with it it'll be great on the field i think there's a lot of stuff we can do off the field and yeah you know, we'll get our uh, our pacific and polynesian fans and supporters to to fill the stadium and make it a real yeah. spectacle brian we can have our heritage jerseys for that for that game precisely that's it that's it, Pelinato. We're going to make it big. I don't know what team I'm going to support on the day. It's going to oh, be man. hard. <laughs> you know what they say. They say rugby's the winner. Yeah. Isn't this the part, Tale, where you reveal that you're part Fijian? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but you know. You yes. just... We're looking for a cheer squad. But you live in South Auckland, <laughs> so you'll be right on the Moana's doorstep. So you're yeah. oh, it'll be amazing. It'll be just amazing. Yeah. So is it is it fair to say, do you reckon, that you might not be able to afford Semi Randrandra or Malakai Fikatoa, but you're hoping for both teams perhaps to discover or give a platform to the next Malakai Fikatoa, the next Semi Randrandra? Absolutely. You know, I mean, one of the things is, um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure Brian will comment on this, is um, we want to create the pathways for the next round of talent, you know. And and I think there are three things that we've got to do here. Is one, we've got to perform, you know. We've got to do justice to the Pacific nations being given an opportunity to be involved in Super Rugby. If we can do that and make people proud, then it gives options to our youth, the next wave of talents to come through. That They don't need to go down a New Zealand high performance pathway. They don't need to choose to go down the Australia or go up to Europe. That choosing the Pacific route, you know, will give them those opportunities. You know? um, I think the second thing is, um, you know, we've got to be competitive with our commercials. Hey, Brian, you know, like um, for us, you know, and this is where we got to play the long game. The more successful we become, the more attractive we become to our commercial partners. The more, the more uh, attractive we are with our commercial partners, the deeper the pockets that we'll have and the more competitive we can be with our remuneration for players. You know, it's, you know, we can't be static when it comes to this. And I think the third is, you know, whether we like it or not, we do need to engage with our European-based players. We may have enough to get through year one, but this for us, this is a five-year program, 
and we need to somehow find a way to connect with our players up in Europe and bring them into play. So I think the combination of the talents that we will have for year one, combination of um, exciting the next wave of talents come through on our development squads, connecting with our talents over in Europe, that then gives us the opportunity because we need to solidify ourselves. I keep on saying to Moana Pacifica here, we haven't just come in to kind of make up the numbers. We want to consolidate and solidify and be a permanent part of this competition. And, you know, I agree with that. I mean, you know, um, there are many traits to the Fijian people, but one of the traits uh, is the love of family, you know, and um, whilst... You know, many of our best players have gone to Europe over the years um, and made a lot of money. What happens is the money gets sent back to the village. I think inbound remittances to Fiji is one of the biggest economic drivers for the country. Um, and those, those guys, you know, that's been a valuable thing for them. But compared with being able to come home and live in their village or close to their families, what's called vavale, um, which I, as I understand it is love of family, that's going to be a real draw card to get our guys back if we can offer, you know, comparable, um, you know, or, or, or reasonable um, player salaries. So, um, yeah, bringing them home, as 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 uh, says, is is a really important thing. We couldn't do it, you know, in a lot of cases this year, um, and so a lot of our you know talent, you know, local talent, are going to get opportunities. And they've got that, that window where they can shine. Um, but over time, we obviously want to get our very best team on the paddock, and that will mean some of those guys in Europe coming back and forcing their way in. And, you know, the more competitive we are, the more money comes in from our commercial partners and coppers, the more we can afford, as Panada said, to bring our guys back. So, um, we, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we've got to perform on the park. We've got to provide a... A really attractive product in terms of the way we play the game and over time we've got to deliver a really strong commercial outcome for our partners that allows us to uh, to grow and 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 develop an even better time